Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. The unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. The second of Bodhidharma's four practices is adapting to conditions, also given as sitting unmoved or steadfast in the face of change. The dictionary definition of adapting is becoming adjusted to new conditions. But in Bodhidharma's context, adapting means acknowledging anicca, one of the three characteristics of Buddhism. Anicca, change. All conditioned things change. All aspects of our lives change, including this being that I call myself. Adapting to conditions recognizes that there is a fundamental craving in us as humans that wants things to remain intact and unchanging, particularly when it comes to me and the way I want me to be. Adapting to conditions means sitting still, firmly, in the midst of change not trying to hold on to something, not trying to fix a situation, not trying to make something permanent. Adapting to conditions asks us to develop a kind of contentment with what we have, not being pulled by desire or pushed by craving. We have what we need in the circumstances that we're in. Craving is a kind of insistence on a very narrow view of self, a view of self as fixed, permanent. Craving is the acting on that view to protect the self in ways that are rooted in fear, in anger, in delusion. Fundamentally, craving is cherishing the self. In our contemporary world, we're all too familiar with various kinds of addictions. They're compulsive and they're an intense form of craving. And they give us a clue about the less obvious graspings that mark our daily lives. Addictions are fundamentally unpleasant, even when we're involved with the addictive activity itself, but they're especially unpleasant as we deal with the consequences. Pema Chodron offers us something to consider in this regard when she says we are primarily addicted to me, primarily addicted to the self but I offer that it's the consequences of that addiction that actually bring us to practice. 
Bodhidharma's second noble truth, suffering has a cause, and that cause is our craving, is the ground on which Bodhidharma builds his second practice when he asks us to look at how we respond to the conditions in our lives. Bodhidharma takes us to a deeper understanding of that second noble truth. He tells us that the cause of the frustration and suffering that are the hallmarks of not adapting to conditions is the fact that we hold on to things that are changing that we grasp after them when they're gone, and that we continue to be attached to them even as they are no longer there. We want what we want, and we don't want to let go. We don't live with an understanding and an awareness of Anicca. We don't adapt to the change that is fundamental in this human realm. The Diamond Sutra says it very powerfully when it says, Thus shall ye think of all this fleeting world, a star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning, a child's laugh, a phantasm, a dream. When we know this, we are adapting to conditions. Adapting to conditions first and foremost requires us to see things as they truly are. And Anicca is fundamental here. Things change. We cannot hold on to anything, anyone, not even ourselves. We can't grasp someone, something, no matter how precious, no matter how much we may want to. The answer that the Buddha found to the cause of suffering is rooted in this craving. I want it this way. I want it another way. I want conditions to be different. I want, I want, I want. Bodhidharma asks other questions. Can we truly see how we are driven by craving restlessness, aversion, delusion. Can we develop a steadfast heart and strengthen our capacity to respond from that heart, from our immovable sitting place? Can we hold a Nietzsche change? Can we hold seeing things as they truly are? Can we hold that step on the Eightfold Path of Right Understanding? Can we hold that as our polar star when we come to make choices in our daily life? Let me read Bodhidharma's words on adapting to conditions, as given by Red Pine. As mortals, we're ruled by conditions and not by ourselves. All the suffering and joy we experience depend on conditions. 
If we should be blessed by some great reward, such as fame and fortune, it's the fruit of a seed planted by us in the past. When conditions change, it ends. Why delight in its existence? But while success and failure depend on conditions, the mind neither waxes nor wanes. Those who remain unmoved by the wind of joy silently follow the path. Before meeting the Dharma, people lived by reacting to circumstances, grasping what seems pleasurable, avoiding what seems unpleasant. People strive to hold on to dependent pleasure and happiness. However, circumstances are impermanent and there is no way people can make circumstances always, eternally, provide their happiness. As mortals, we're ruled by conditions, not by ourselves. We live in a world where the eight conditions, the eight winds of change, the flow of a Nietzsche is constant. All the suffering and joy we experience depend on conditions. And yet, as we know from our talk the last time, conditions are not separate from the way. When we see clearly, we know them for the teachers that they are. If we should be blessed by some great reward, such as fame and fortune, it's the fruit of a seed planted by us in the past. Karma, conditions today really, are the result of our past choices, either in this life or in other lives. And this is why our choice in each moment is so important. When conditions change, it ends. Why delight in its existence? The Japanese poet says, I know this glass is already broken, and so I enjoy it fully. But while success and failure depend on conditions, the mind neither waxes nor wanes. The steadfast mind is the mind of a Chalanatha, the immovable one. And it's important here to remember that a Chalanatha himself, fierce as he is, is an aspect of compassion. Those who remain unmoved by the wind of joy silently follow the path. They follow the path, having entered the path through the first practice of suffering and justice. Before meeting the Dharma, people live by reacting to circumstances. Our practice results in our strengthened capacity to make choices that reflect responses rooted in the mind of meditation, rooted in the steadfast mind rather than karmically driven or automatic pilot kinds of reactions.
grasping what seems pleasurable, avoiding what seems unpleasant, people strive to hold on to dependent pleasures and happiness. However, circumstances are impermanent, and there is no way people can make circumstances always, eternally, provide their happiness. Don't we know this to be true as we live our contemporary, market-driven lives? The advice that Dilgo Kinsey Rinpoche and Padampa Sangye gave to the people of Tingre in the Hundred Verses of Advice, that advice is valuable for us as well. They say, Your notions of the outer world derive from the mind within. People of Tingre, let the solid ice be melted into liquid. Lakes and rivers can freeze in winter and the water can become so solid that people, animals, and carts travel back and forth on its surface. At the approach of spring, the earth warms up and the waters thaw. What remains then of all that solid ice? Water is soft and fluid, ice hard and sharp. We cannot say that they are identical, but neither are they different. Ice is only frozen water, and the water is only melted ice. It is the same with our perceptions of the external world. To be attached to the reality of phenomena, tormented by attraction and repulsion, and obsessed by the eight worldly conditions is what causes the mind to freeze. Melt the ice of your concepts so the fluid water of free perceptions can flow. Melt the ice of your concepts. I think this is another way of saying adapt to conditions. Doesn't it apply particularly well when we think of the ice of our own fixed self and of the ways we entrench ourselves, the ways we insist on cherishing it and protecting it? When we're frozen, unadapting in our responses to the conditions in our lives, what actually hurts isn't that we don't have something. It's that we don't have it and we want it frozen in place. What causes grief is not that we lose something. It is that we are unable to accept the fact and let the water flow. The melting that is adapting to conditions is when we change how we relate to the world around us in light of right understanding. And Nietzsche tells us that everything is always changing. When we know this, we know right understanding. The conditions we wish to maintain and fix will change, as will the unpleasant conditions that we all too easily believe will last forever. If we can just find a way to give up our grabbing to things, to find a way to accept life as it actually is, 
truly adapting to conditions, we'll be able to be steadfast in the face of the inevitable changes in our lives. Reverend Master Dizewi puts it succinctly, realizing all of this makes clear that our never-ending desire to make the world behave itself in the way we wish cannot possibly lead us to anything other than self-frustration. When we know this, we have a glimpse of a whole other way of being. When we can accept Anicca, when we can be at home with the flow of the change of things. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy things, experiences, friends, family, but we do it in the spirit of that Japanese poem, I know this glass is already broken, so I enjoy it fully. Yes, take full advantage of the joy. Don't hold on. Don't push away. Our meditation practice is critically important in adapting to conditions. Although there are times when it takes everything we have to stay seated for meditation, we generally don't bound off our cushion when things get difficult. Those difficulties are simply the conditions of the moment and we let them arise, abide, and pass away. This is why a regular meditation practice is so important, even if it's only five minutes each day, because this is the cultivation of the steadfastness that we can bring to other areas in our life when we choose to adapt to conditions. We can let those situations benefit from our ability to, again, let things arise, abide, and pass away. This sitting meditation practice isn't about getting something right or achieving some ideal state. It's really about being able to stay present within ourselves. It's about learning how to realize, to make real, the invocation to Achalanatha in our own lives. The invocation says, may we within the temple of our own hearts dwell amidst the myriad mountains. The myriad mountains are the myriad conditions in which we live and work. Dwelling in the temple of our own heart means sitting unmoved in the example of a Chalanatha, Fudo, the immovable one. In asking us to adapt to conditions, Bodhidharma asks us to deepen our awareness of the true nature of conditioned things and to strengthen our commitment to the one true thing. When we root ourselves more firmly in our meditation practice, our immovable sitting place that's available to us not just in the meditation hall, but in all arenas of our life and work, when we do that, we keep a steady mind, one that is not swayed by circumstances. Adapting to conditions, we choose the inner quiet that is contentment in some situations, 
steadfastness in others. We choose a mind that neither waxes nor wanes. I offer the merit of this talk to all beings that we together may fully and gratefully adapt to conditions. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha.